testing the mics, if I do say so myself. Of what today? Uh, very good. Excellent. On uh, whoever said that. So, yes, that is correct. This day, for 74 years ago, uh, Germany signed the document of, partial document of surrender in uh, Reims, France. First slide, please. Okay, so if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. No self-conceit. Next one, imitators of God as beloved children, walk in love. Next one, husbands love your wives. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Uh, next one, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Gosh, that's a lot of stuff. How are we doing on that? How do we get that? Think of the fruits of the Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. I was glad, actually, Dallas used a farmer analogy. So uh, it's probably, it's past harvest time probably for winter wheat, but it's planting time uh, for farmers, depending on where you are in terms of latitude. So what does a farmer do to get fruit? Does he stand there and grunt it out? Um, no, it doesn't work. Farmer can only do so much. That's just like us. We can't grunt out those things. Willpower will carry you so far, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but eventually it's going to fail. Thankfully, it's going to fail because otherwise we'd pound our own chest and say, look what I've done, Mom. Okay. But God has, has wired us so that we just can't do it. So how do we make these things happen in our lives? That's what we're going to talk about. Actually, next slide, please. So uh, celebration of discipline. You've noticed already that what we're doing in this segment as we finish up the semester is to go over very briefly uh, the books that we have covered during the last, this one was 2017, during the last two or so years, two to three years. So... <coughs> Excuse me. So this one is a celebration of discipline, which I have a copy of in my briefcase over there. Um, actually, Tom, could you grab that out of my uh, briefcase and just bring it up? It's a reddish book, a briefcase against the wall in the back. So it's a book that was is really pretty different from a lot of the things that we cover. Thanks a lot. Old copy of it. I was given this in 1982. <coughs> um, it's, a different, it's from a different tradition, whereas we are, I would call us sort of an evangelical Protestant tradition. Uh, this is from, the author is a Quaker, and it's from a sort of folks who are really, really focused on the inner life. So when you read it, and I would recommend you read it. Do we have guys here, of course, who came here after we covered this book? But... It is exceptionally rewarding in terms of helping us to actually put into practice, see, in, see God develop in our lives those fruits of the Spirit. Because the disciplines of the Spirit are the things we can do under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Thanks a lot. Uh, the guidance of the Holy Spirit and <coughs> the, uh, excuse me, and talk among yourselves. Thanks, Scotty. Now, 
And you can start taking bets now on whether I will knock that over. But the tongues of the Holy Spirit are the tools, the things that we can do to help prepare the ground to let God grow in us the fruits of the Spirit. It's where power, that very little quantity, can combine with God's power, that unlimited quantity, and produce the fruits of the Spirit. Now, so the key sort of test is how do I live in such a way? What do I do so that my inner nature, that which is deep in my core, interacts with God and with other people in such a way that even in my unguarded moments, I am godly. When I step on the Lego in the middle of the night, when I get cut off in traffic, for those who keep saying that, why do people go to work? Um, so when I find myself, and this, is, this last one's particularly telling for some of us, I know it was for me, when I find myself alone for an extended period of time, in all those periods, when I'm not on guard and ready, when there are not other people around me, sort of holding me accountable unconsciously or consciously. So how do I have that godliness within me that shines out at those moments too? Isaiah 57, 20, it's a really, really good verse. Because, But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot rest, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. Can the sea do anything different than it does? No, it's inanimate. It can't choose to, to, uh, be, to uh, have waves. Those are done to it. It's the natural outcome. So the disciplines of the Christian life are designed to change our natural outcomes. They're designed to help us conform to the character of Christ so that what comes out of our dirt are the fruits of the Spirit. So as... This uh, passage in Colossians, uh, you know, if you look at it, it's the one that talks about um, some people observe days and months and seasons and years. These have the appearance of godliness, but they're useless for taming the flesh. Willpower, as I said before, will only guard, will only carry us so far. So. It's like the analogy that uh, Foster uses, Richard Foster uses in the book, is think of yourself on a narrow path on the top of a ridge, and on either side of you are deep chasms. On the one side is the chasm of what he calls moralism or willpower. I can, I can choose, consistently choose, to do that which is right, my own power. On the other side is the chasm, formerly would call antinomianism. That is, hey, what I do in the flesh doesn't make any difference, and I can't do it. There's nothing I can do on my own. This is all, if I, you know, in, indulge in sexual immorality, if I use poor language, if I have bad temper, not my fault, and it doesn't make a big difference anyway. So, so those are the two extremes between which I operate. But I need to stay on that narrow path, just like Christ talks about in Matthew 7. I have a responsibility to sow to the Spirit. 
And that's where the disciplines come in. Next slide, please. So it's a path that, is, that he calls discipline grace. That doesn't seem to go together very well. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. What does discipline have to do with it? Well, of course, God gives grace. We discipline ourselves to accept and incorporate it into our lives. So the spiritual disciplines are not spiritual laws. They're not something I impose on and grade in someone else. I can encourage others. Again, that's sort of what we're doing now. I can encourage others toward them, but fundamentally, they're directed toward me. They're what I'm responsible for before God, not what Chuck or Dave or Tom are responsible for before God. I can be open to the Spirit of God and saying, you know, I noticed you're struggling in this area, whatever, but fundamentally, it's an individual transaction between me and God. Tolstoy's comment there, Everybody thinks of changing the world, but nobody thinks of changing himself. And, of course, we can't just gut it out, as I said before. We do have to let the Spirit of God work within us, but we have a part to play. So let's work on letting God direct us in changing ourselves. So the disciplines that he calls out, he divides them into three sections of four. Some of them will, you think, be familiar to you. They're actually not quite. Uh, He goes into them in some detail. And there are a little, there's a little more to them than f- even for the ones you think you're familiar with than, than um, certainly I thought going into it. So the inward disciplines, uh, medit- uh, prayer, my first favorite, fasting, not, okay? Uh, why are you guys laughing? You know, why is that? Uh, and study. Then there's the outward disciplines, so me as an individual, but outward toward others. Simplicity, another personal favorite, and we'll talk about each of these as in a few minutes. Solitude, can almost guarantee that's probably not something we talk about very much or think of practicing. We, we do it, obviously it happens in life, but we don't think of it as a spiritual discipline. Submission. We talk about submission a pretty fair amount, particularly in work environments and in families. But as a spiritual discipline, what's that look like? And then service. And then the corporate disciplines, what we do as a body. And here's probably the the one familiar to me. Confession. And this is probably going to get a little squishy. The ground's going to get soft underneath your feet. But we will talk about that. Worship. A few additional things to what we normally think of as worship, in worship. Guidance, kind of a spiritual discipline is that. And we'll talk about that. And then lastly, celebration. Very good, very good. Celebrate, good job. Okay, first slide. Meditation. So, you know, we, okay, everybody, everybody get off on the floor, get down, cross your legs, circle your fingers, say, um, Um, And that's what we think of as meditation. We think of the first part of it, how the world thinks of it, detaching my thoughts from the world, emptying yourself. That's not what God's talking about. He's talking about, yeah, doing that, sort of pulling back from the world, but then attaching my thoughts to God and to his word. The purpose is not to empty myself. The purpose is to fill myself with him. 
okay, in a period generally of solitude where I can let God's, and this is the part that was due to me. Um, I think of meditation, and I was taught it when I was a young Christian, meditation on God's word. And he fully agrees with that, but that's not all. He sort of enlarges the field, you know, medica- meditation on creation, um, meditation on events of, the w- events of the day, those kinds of things. Sort of letting the Spirit of God work through our minds to help us chew on uh, the various arena God sent to us through them. Prayer, a new aspect, not a new aspect, but, but an aspect of it that we're perhaps less focused on. Prayer is talking. No, prayer is listening. It's also talking, but first listening. And this was, for folks who come from that tradition, and some of you probably do, um, uh, focused on the inner life, you're much more used to this idea of listening to God. I'd say for others of us, and this is not what evangelical Protestants teach, but it's sometimes what we fall into doing, prayer is talking. Well, the listening needs to come before the talking. So listening to God, have him put on my heart those things that he wants there, the things that he wants me to intercede with him. And prayer becomes a conversation, a cooperation with him in issues that he wants to address. Again, personal favorite, fasting. Um, abstaining from food for periods of time to sharpen focus on spiritual issues. If you want excuses not to do this, come see me afterwards. I can help you out, okay? Um, Because it isn't commanded in Scripture. It's not. It's exemplified in Scripture quite a bit. Um, It's more important that I give it credit for it. I've I've done it, but but not nearly to the extent that that, um, to where it's really a spiritual discipline. So my job is not to make you fasters or prayers or intercessors or any of those things. It's just uh, here's what the book says. Expose yourself to it. Let God do with it what he will. So, and study. <coughs> Again, a different aspect. Study, I think all of it. You can't have Marty as a pastor and not know about this. Okay? Studying the word of God. And that. It's a, it's a huge part of what Foster talks about. But again, he adds more to it. Uh, sort of like meditation, study not just the Word of God, but to study, use the Word of God, perhaps use other resources to understand the details of what it is God may be doing in the world or thank to me. So those are the inward disciplines. The outward disciplines, simplicity. You want an uncomfortable time? Talk about simplicity. Okay? Give away all your stuff. Go be a monk. That isn't simplicity. It may be for some of us, but more than that, it's loosening the grip, prying the fingers off that materialism has in my life. Um, if you want disciplines I'm not good at, fasting's one of them. This is another one. Okay, being willing to listen to God to let me be joyful in my enjoyment of things without being consumed. We've all heard that. I can pretty much guarantee that phrase, don't be owned by your stuff, 
You've all heard that, but living by it is, for me, is much tougher. Okay. And again, it's not me telling you this is what you should do about simplicity. It's pleading with each of us to be open to what God says to us individually about simplicity. What would he have me do? Solitude. Fairly simple definition, being alone with God in silence. Two things that are not very comfortable for many of us. Not, not that it's uncomfortable for everybody, but for many of us. One is being alone. Now, introverts, yeah, you need that alone time. Um, but deliberately choosing to be alone and deliberately choosing to be silent, to let God work, but in a prepared way so that I'm not thinking about football or my next thing to do at work or my child's birthday party, but that I am uh, quieting my spirit and letting myself be sensitive and open to God. Okay. Submission. This one is a tougher one in terms of, of why is that a spiritual discipline? It's something I, do, I need to do in life, you know, Ephesians 5.21, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, I see that. But as a spiritual discipline? So if you choose to pursue this and, and read the book, you'll see that he adds to it he, he brings in the idea of God using this submission to hone us. Now, if you've been in a work environment, and all of us have, you know that he will do this. But this is, this is cooperating, this is embracing that as a, mean of, as a means of God working in me and shaping my character. All of us will be shaped by it. It's just, am I cooperating with God and being shaped by it? So... And then service. Um, new aspects for me of service, indiscriminate, being willing to serve the small and the great, the noticed and not, um, hidden and open, but especially hidden, acts of service that are untruth for which I receive no credit at all. Not because people are unwilling to grant me credit, but because they don't even see it. And, to, and reveling in those. I'm not very good at reveling in those. So. Next one. This, uh, this one was probably one of the least familiar, and the ones where I'll present what he says, and then let, let us decide how we want to apply it. For those of us from perhaps Catholic backgrounds, it brings to mind auricular confession. What is auricular confession? So confession to a priest and receiving solution. And we think, well, you know, God brought me out of that or changed that in me or, or convinced me that that's not his pattern um, or, or not, you know, whatever, whatever God's done. That's not what this is talking about. It's talking about in James where he says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And the guys who, I think, really put that into practice is Jim Hassett's, uh, not Jim Hassett's ministry, the ministry Jim Hassett's runs on God's behalf in our church in purity. That 
that God has used that to bring things into the open and give men freedom. Confession one to another. Nothing's hidden anymore. Okay, Satan can't use it against us. So, anyway, I'll leave that to to consider. Uh, worship, responding to God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. With see, worship is not a spectator sport. Darren's talked about that. For me, often it is. Now, here I'm going to meddle a little bit. For guys who don't go to the worship part of the service and sit out in the lawn because uh, they don't like the music, then, and I know who you are. <laughs> That's between you and God, you know. Uh, worship is participation, is letting my spirit interact with God's spirit in such a way as to praise, thank, and adore him. So the style that's going on around me becomes secondary to the interaction of my spirit with his. Now, I don't argue with you that some styles were individuals. Some styles are going to be more, more amenable to that, more conducive to that than others. But for somebody else, the style that is going on right now is really conducive to that, and it really brings them closer to God. And so my job is not to change the style, it's to let God change me and interact with him regardless. I say that as one who really likes things like Rock of Ages. Guidance. Corporately living in response to the voice of the Father and to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. What is that? Well, again, this is a, this is a not peculiarly, particularly Quaker tradition. It, based on my thimble full of understanding of Quaker traditions. Okay, it's the idea I would, that we would seek God corporately and be unwilling to move forward until we had reached what I'll call in a human sense a consensus, is really a sense, a united sense of the leading of God. So I'm willing, it's sort of like, uh, submission, I'm willing to submit one to another and to sense God's leading for us as a body. Grace of God, this is in many respects over, I think probably in most respects actually, over the last several years, the council calling it that sort of tries to operate in that fashion. We haven't taken a vote in, we take them because we have a parliamentarian who says that this is, you know, what you have to do. But it's, but it's not because, and Dave's a parliamentarian, um, <laughs> because it's a business meeting. But <clears throat> it's the sense that if, if we're not united, we're not ready to move forward. So, and then last one, celebration. Rejoicing give th and giving thanks in the goodness of God and giving thanks for the goodness of God out of obedience and trust that what he has what we are pursuing in him is the best. Okay, next slide, please. Questions? This is uh, that uh, road along the ridge, chasms on either side. So which chasm are you more likely to tumble into? Uh, the second one, where do you feel the strongest? How might God want you to strengthen that? And that one, of the ones you're familiar with, <coughs> you know, some of them will just be foreign to you. But of the ones you're pretty familiar with, which do you feel in most need of help from others? Okay.
Over to you, man.